Welcome to the Rambling Ranger podcast, episode eight. My name is Luke Taylor, and I'm joined here today by Kate Elliott. Hello! <laughs> Kate is a wind farm ranger and is also an international uh, ranger coordinator and secretary for the Scottish Countryside Rangers Association. Let's just say that for now, but uh, we'll be going in talking about that in uh, just a moment. But um, I thought I'd bring Kate on to give that international rangers perspective, which we already slightly discussed well earlier podcast. And um, Kate's got the perfect um, perspective to give on that. But also just um, her, the environment that she works in, so a wind farm, and um, yeah, the similarities and differences that is to other ranger services in the UK. But um, yeah, without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself, Kate? Hi, uh, my name is Kate Elliott, as you said before, um, and I am a full-time countryside ranger. I work for Whiteley Country Whiteley Wind Farm Countryside Ranger Service, um, which is a small team of three. We're based at Whiteley Wind Farm, which is uh, about ten miles south of Glasgow. Um, it's the largest onshore wind farm in the UK. We've got over we've got two hundred and fifteen wind turbines altogether. It covers an area of like 30 square square miles um, and we've got over 100 miles of tracks and trails to look after and things like that. So it's a, a big place for a very small team and it's a very complicated thing, but I'll get on to that a wee bit later. Um, outside of work, um, I'm very much an outdoors enthusiast. Um, like as, all, as every ranger normally is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unusual to find anyone who's not a, an outdoor enthusiast that's employed in the rangering world. Um, but yeah, I very much, if I'm not at work, I'm outside either walking or cycling. Um, I love long distance walking. I try to get a walking holiday at least once every year or two years with <laughs> a large, large walk involved. Um, and um, I'm also a year round open water swimmer um just yeah that's that's my thing <laughs> yeah no it certainly is um and we'll get on to talking about your walking and other things later uh, is that one of then the reasons that i suppose inspired you to become become a ranger um yeah so from a young age i've always been interested in nature and um, the environment and things although i spent most of my childhood in a swimming pool um so I, i'm dosed in chlorine for life <laughs> However, uh, yeah, I, I was always interested in geography and biology and things at school and never, ever, ever knew what I actually wanted to do with my life at all. Um, at one point when I was a very small child, somebody asked me what I wanted to do when I was older and I replied, I'd like to be a packed lunchbox. I mean, <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> Then that went on to like the, the, the standard, yeah, I want to be a vet and all the rest of it. Um, I soon found out that there was no way I was going to get the grade needed to be a vet um, or certainly the standard of vet that I wanted to be. I wanted to be a veterinary surgeon for quite a while right. um, and then I sort of went from there. I started off at uni um, being uh, studying um, marine biology at Stirling University. Um, However, in my first year of uni, I was actually diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, um, so it runs in my family, um, and kind of looking at the marine biology side of things, I started thinking, right, I don't think 
at that point, certainly, I was told by quite a few people that the kind of work that I wanted to get into, which would have been like going off on research vessels and things like that, I wouldn't be insured to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Having the type one diabetes, so um, it was very much okay. Well, that's that's that in the bucket. Let's <laughs> do something else. So it was very easy for me the way that the systems worked at Stirling Uni. I was able to just jump course onto ecology at the end of my first year. Mm. Um, and basically followed the same modules anyway. Um, and did that. So I, I I continued through uni doing my ecology course. Um, and then I left uni in two thousand and nine. Um, and I started work as a part-time tea lady and cleaner at a hospital at the weekends. Um, and then during the week, I basically just spent that trying to find jobs, apply for jobs, and did a wee bit of volunteering here and there as well. Um, that included things like um, I started up with the Stirling Council Ranger Service, because that's where I was based at that point, um, as one of their volunteer rangers there. Um, and it kind of spiralled from there. Um, yeah, uh, you, you actually yeah. had an opportunity to meet an apprentice ranger at Stirling um, Council when you were there, didn't you? Yes, I worked alongside him. Um, so before that, like I, I got a four-month paid internship at East Renfrewshire Council. Surprise, that's all come full circle. <laughs> um, I, I had an, a paid internship as a ranger at their Damstead Army Country Park um, in 2011. So I was there for four months, got quite a bit of experience and things like that. My first sort of pure rangering um, working sort of role. Uh, I, I think you could see it as a, as a, um, as a seasonal role, I suppose, because it was over the summer and things. Um, it was basically to fill the gap um, in the amount of time it would take them from somebody leaving to recruiting somebody to replace that. Yeah. I filled that gap, basically. There was an opportunity there. So that was really good. Um, and then one, like, one thing led to another. And I was doing more and more volunteering with Sterling Council Ranger Service. And then this opportunity came up with the Conservation Volunteers, TCB. Yeah. Um, yeah natural communities program right um, so that was a, a one-year paid traineeship um and i was based yay with sterling council ranger service <laughs> um which helped a lot i already knew the rangers there um and that was great and at the same time as that as you mentioned before we also had an apprentice ranger through the modern apprenticeship scheme um scott mason Mm. Um, and the two of us walked, worked alongside each other and sort of it, it helped having a newbie next to me as well um, it wasn't just me um, that was it there was the two of us sort of finding our way through things and all the rest of it so that was quite good I um, always find with those sorts of things I mean after meeting and talking to you over what the last few well years now uh, within SCRA and um, having found out that, well, you're, you're the only other person out with uh, that has left West Lothian uh, that I've met and have also uh, became a ranger, which is just um, quite, I don't know, amusing and funny. But, um, and with Scott as well, I knew Scott through Lantra um, with, uh, and the initiative that we talked about with Annabelle earlier. And um, yeah, just a really nice guy. And he's the first case that I came across that, 
um, was an apprentice ranger like myself, but many years beforehand. And it was quite nice to hear of those opportunities that Stirling Council were providing for likes of yourself with TCV, who we obviously explored with Will and um, the two of yous. Like, how how did that then work with obviously yourself having TV, TCV employment and then um, Scott having the apprenticeship? Uh, I imagine that was quite good for both of you, uh, developing your ranger expertise, let's say. Yeah, we were certainly both like spare pairs of hands for the ranger service, which at that point was still quite big. There, for the full team, including the two of us, there was actually six rangers on the team there, and it's the biggest ranger team I've actually been a part of. <laughs> <laughs> They're subsequently down to one ranger now. I've no head ranger at all. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to to be part of that team, and we just sort of we just. They took us under their wings, got us to muck in with them. Um, I had my own remit because of my traineeship. I was allocated to work with one of the most deprived communities in Sterling. Right. Um, so I was very much, that was to be the main focus of my role, as well as helping out the other rangers with all their different um, areas and sites and all the rest of it. Um, I was very much embroiled in all the community <laughs> goings on um, and just trying to get them more connected with nature. Um, mm. Yeah, it was it was an interesting experience and certainly opened my eyes quite a bit. I um, could imagine, yeah. No, that's, yeah. That sounds fabby. And all that work that you did then, I'm imagining, led you up to then, obviously, and eventually the full-time role that you're in uh, just now. Yeah, exactly. So I actually, I, I feel like I, I, I cheated the, the system a wee bit. <laughs> I somehow magically, um, towards the end of my traineeship, I, um, I st started applying for roles because I knew that the end was coming and I needed to get my butt in gear and, and start <laughs> looking for other opportunities because um, I didn't want to go back to being a waitress or a bar person or anything. I, I This was what I was set on. So um, it came towards, I think it was about November time that year, 2012. And I was um, looking for things. And this opportunity came up at Rook and Glen Park in East Renfrewshire. Um, it was a heritage lottery funded project, right. brand new project. Um, they wanted a activity ranger and an activities project officer. So I wasn't interested in the project officer stuff. <laughs> That was just a step too much, but um, the, the the activities ranger role, I thought, yeah, uh, I, I think I could do that. It's yeah. probably not quite a huge step up. I wasn't even expecting to get an interview, um, but all of a sudden I was given this interview, which I really don't understand. I must have been on some sort of high that week. Because <laughs> I also, it also coincided with us doing like a, um, all the trainees that year with TCP coming together and showcasing what they had to do, what they've done throughout the year, all their achievements, what they've done with their communities and all the rest of it. Um, so I blasted both of them. I don't understand. <laughs> I blasted that interview. I, I came off the high of that and two days later had my um, showcase thing where right. we weren't allowed to use a, a PowerPoint presentation. We, I, and that saw me taking a large fabric butterfly on a train from Dumbly 
to a to Edinburgh city centre and then Brilliant. walking through the city centre to this place to do the showcase um, with this giant butterfly model, which I was going to stick all these pictures to, and then it had all these scenes and things. Um, and yeah, that that week was just like magic interview slash presentation week. It was just I don't know. Um, and yeah, about a week later, I found out that I had this post at East Renfrewshire Council as their activities ranger, and I thought, okay, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just like doubled my salary, doubled my, you know, like it just it just went changed it everything. It exploded from there, and it was a very steep learning curve you know like I, I guess I had experience of working for a local authority but just being thrown in at the deep end with this really high profile project yeah. um, and yeah just getting to grips with even though it was a local authority they're all so different yeah. and they all have so many different systems that they do use and all the different things and it just it was a complete leap but yeah, I really got my teeth into that project and worked really hard at it. And but I got to a point where things weren't quite working as I'd expected, and it, it wasn't working out the way that I'd hoped. So um, an opportunity at Whiteley came up in 2014, and I grabbed it with both hands. So <laughs> I still didn't leave East Renfrewshire Council. I just jumped ship basically to this project and I've been there ever since so that's me I'll be six years in September having wow. been at White and Wind Farm so yeah <laughs> no it's it's it showcases there what the fuck was that sorry it's been like a, a fast track into full-time rangering which um I feel very lucky about that I haven't had to do years and years of seasonal posts and everything it, it it all happened at the right time at the you know it just all came together and that was it um so i i yeah i find myself in a very lucky sort of i, I think of myself as very lucky to have had that sort of fast track into full-time rangering and don't get me wrong i'm still learning <laughs> <laughs> i think that's why we get along so well is that having i've class like having found out about that um previously and, and learning how it was kind of again very similar experience being in the right time at the right place and having those opportunities with like CTCV that helped you learn and develop to then get kind of your full-time employment in a kind of fast-tracked way which isn't normally the case for many seasonals and as for my apprenticeship of the last three years and ending up kind of full-time role for a bit with the council it was it was again that thing where you didn't necessarily feel you were ready for it but you were kind of just into the fire heads first and you kind of just went with it from there and it's amazing how those opportunities and experiences can can really bring you on um a lot better and help you actually then and obviously both our positions that we're in now and then um, yeah it's it's again i still can't believe that you're you're as well from west Lothian and ended up going into a, a, the same profession and industry which i'll, I'll always hold you to um it's very nice <laughs> Having then now working for Whiteley's wind farm, what is what does the job of a ranger entail on a on a wind farm? What is your what's your job been like over the last six years? Um. So yeah, I, I obviously I've been there for six years, so I must be enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. I love I love my job. I love my job. Um. 
so yeah, it's a it's a very complicated partnership project that we work on um, at Whiteley Wind Farm. As you can imagine, um, there's obviously the, the wind farm operators, um, so that's Scottish Power Renewables, and then um, we we are basically part of what's called the Whiteley Access Project, which is run by the three local authorities where right. the money from the wind farm goes to. Um, so it's basically yeah, a bit of like an an infrastructure project to make sure that you know the outdoor access opportunities opportunities are there at the wind farm um, and are taken advantage of. So there's this pot of money, and then the the ranger service comes out of that as well. Mm. Um, so although I, I mainly work for East Renfrewshire Council, as in they provide my manager and my pay. Um, Actually, I represent, or I used to represent three local local authorities, but now two local authorities. So that's quite interesting in itself. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously, obviously, like working in partnership because there's all the different landowners on the site as well. As I said before, it's thirty square miles. It's yeah. a huge place. Um, we've got people like Scottish Water. Um, Forestry and Land Scotland, private landowners, all of them to deal with as well, and they all come together under this access project group. Right. Um, and try you have to try and make sure that everything works together and going around getting around everybody's different um red tapes and things yeah, like that. <laughs> of course. As with yeah. as with every large, I suppose, collaboration and. Um, how how do you find then? I mean, do you you must have frequent contact with the with the line of work of a ranger? I think when most people think of rangers, uh, or even within rangering, you don't normally think of yourselves being associated with wind farms. It's it's kind of a I don't know how long it's been around a wind farm having. I know nowadays we've got um, some new wind farm and we've got a new ranger service that's propped up. Like I'd like to bring. Um, on later in the show and talk about but um, yeah what's it like collaborating then with all those different landowners and how does that affect your job? Um, it keeps the job interesting let's just put it <laughs> that way. Um, it's certainly my, my job on the ground itself we don't really generally need to think about all of that complicatedness it's just when it comes to different parts of the project and yeah. things like that uh, or getting permissions for different things to go ahead because we we do all sorts um at Whiteley Our, when I start I'll start with like education for example um we work with the visitor centre at Whiteley quite closely when it comes to school visits and things like that they are run by the Glasgow Science Centre there's another <laughs> group the group uh, another organisation to be working with as well. Um, so we work very closely with them um, in terms of what we do. Um, we sort of try and and um, do the side of the site as a as a bigger picture. Like they'll do workshops to do with um, how a turbine works and different things like that, or how the wind, the wind and and the rain and things like that <laughs> they'll be very specific sciencey workshops yeah and then we'll take the group outside and explain the site a bit more the wildlife the habitats how that fits in with the bigger how the wind farm fits into all of that um and a lot of stuff about sustainability so yeah like for example like a standard ranger job 
mainly has like nice woodlands um, <laughs> and you'll go and do you'll go and do like um meet a tree pro meet a tree activities and things like that our wind turbines are our trees basically um <laughs> so instead of instead of meet a tree it's hug the wind turbine <laughs> <laughs> and things like that and it's um instead of maybe knowing maybe teaching all about the biodiversity within an oak tree or something like that yeah. we are actually we know a lot more about turbines and how they work and sustainability and um you know renewable energies like different energy types and things like that yeah. so there's that whole side of things so it is a wee bit different um in terms of that side of things um we've obviously got like um your standard sort of ranger service activities and events program as well um so we still do things like guided walks and bushcraft and arts and crafts and nature id and lead cycles and halloween events we're we're great for halloween by the way. <laughs> all the nice stuff but yes i remember you distinctively yeah. talking about your halloween events yeah we're, we're 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 good with the halloween stuff um all sorts of things like that um so we we do that that side of things as well and then because of the, the nature of the site we also deal with um requests for like charity events or large events so things like sponsored runs or like a, a large running festival or we've had um the likes of uh, sled dog races and things, <laughs> you know, things like that horse riding groups um things like that so we sort of we are their main contact in order to get in contact with all the different landowners and get all the different permissions permissions yeah um yeah so we've got that side of things as well and then obviously we've got your standard like weekly bin runs and <laughs> glamorous side of the job you know bin runs and um like we do quite a lot of we do practical stuff quite often but maybe not as often as we'd hope because right. uh, well it mainly ends up in the winter because summer is just made up of public engagement almost yep. you know um so when it gets to the quieter times we we put down all these plans to get all these practical jobs done and then of course quietly um the weather <laughs> is our, our, main, weather. Our, our main barrier our main issue um at whiteley it's just we're 300 meters above sea level it's exposed as you'd expect at a wind farm um and yeah it just gets mightily horrific <laughs> yeah <laughs> the weather can be absolutely brutal and there's some jobs that just can't be done in those conditions yeah. or you know the slightest risk of lightning with to take cover you know? <laughs> <laughs> when you're surrounded by 215 lightning rods it's a wee bit hairy when you're you get caught out by a a, a freak thunderstorm and you have to sort of just drop everything and run <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's certainly interesting keeps us on our toes um and yeah i yeah really enjoy it so yeah <laughs> no i think it's really important that there's a ranger service and people like yourself present on 
I mean, a lot of people when you have said previously, when you think of a wind farm, you don't necessarily associate it with, I suppose, nature, wildlife, access, all these things. You just think predominantly, I, for my, I just probably when I was younger, I'd think these big turbines are creating energy and it's all for renewable purposes and things. And I think it's really important having a that provide that knowledge to school kids, to local visitors, and are able to, to raise other awareness points of why what these wind turbines are doing and also improving the site itself not letting it like there's they create their own their, their own habitats in themselves and all the different um plants and animals and things that use these sites yes there's the whole controversy with clearing and creating more of these turbines and wind sites um which there's the rights and the wrongs with everything when you have to make way for energy and sustainability but once you then stuck with something or you already have these sites that then becomes important that you have these services like ranger services in place and um, so no it's it's, a, it's a, one of those again very unique ranger type roles within a, a completely different setting um, and yeah no, I, I, I think a lot of rangers uh, when they think of lightning storms and thunder and they're worried about their trees but I'd certainly be more worried about uh, being behind these as you said big <laughs> big electric it's, um, <laughs> and I certainly wouldn't be like to holding a spade or a shovel or any kind of tool whilst out doing uh, path work or conservation work. In, yeah, in that, 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 that happened to me earlier this year actually um, and it was it was during those you know the freak snowstorms that we were yeah. having with all the <laughs> and everything and I was trying to locate uh, one of our buried um, visitor counter boxes um, because yours um, are, are yours metal as well? Because I remember with we we have um, pressure pads under some of the the well that's, certainly that's these what it was. We had pressure pads and the the box that holds you know the counter and yep. things like that um, was buried under the ground basically, um, and we've had quite a few issues because obviously it's it's built on a peat bog. Yeah, and things move and. <laughs> cables stretch and things like that so we've had quite a few issues with them but we thought we had them all back up and running and all the rest of it as usual except from I had to go out and try and locate this one that hadn't been dug up in quite a long time and um, underneath a few inches of snow by this point um, so I stood there with a, a spade and I can see all the dark clouds coming and flurries of snow and everything but I really had to get this done because I, <laughs> I had a report to do with the, the numbers and all the rest of it and yeah I'm stood there with a spade in my hand and the lightning came down maybe about a mile away and the thunder was right above my head and I honestly I've not run that fast in a video. I, I, I don't advocate running I'm not a runner <laughs> um, <laughs> I've not run that fast in a very, very long time. And I got back to my, my four before and just fell apart and was like crying. <laughs> As you would be. Yeah. You. yeah. Um, people don't realise risking um, leg and whatever they call it, life and limb um, as, as a ranger in these circumstances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, way okay, that, that's, that's good. Um, I managed to recompose myself and um, just thought, right, screw it. I'm not doing that again. We can leave these numbers out of this report, and I did. Um, so <laughs> it was quite you good, had a perfectly good excuse. 
an, an, an eye-opening experience that was so <laughs> i can just imagine the comment box on that saying no results and just in brackets there was a thunderstorm <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. um it was certainly interesting anyway. <laughs> yeah anyway you obviously we discussed your kind of second I suppose role and something that we wanted to talk about and that's that's your role with SCRAS or the Scottish Conservative Rangers Association. How did you first come over in the first place? Was that early on in your rangering or kind of when you find yourself with Whiteleys? Um, it was actually so when I was at Stirling Council um, we were part of a team membership with SCRA, um and I went along to um, I think it was one of the sharing good practice conferences and so you know I, I knew about SCRA and all the rest of it um, and also one of my colleagues there she was the secretary at the time <laughs> you can see the list of going um, and uh, so when I actually switched over to working at, at Rook and Glen um, I'd gone from obviously like a team of six of us down to being Lone Ranger <laughs> um, on a really new project with, um, you know, varying ideas being drifting around about what I should or shouldn't be doing and different things, trying to find my feet. And I just felt like I, I needed that extra support network from other rangers. Yeah. Um, so I got in touch with, it was Roger Powell at the time, um, was the chair, uh, and I got in touch with Roger and said, how can I get involved? Have you got any spaces on council? Not knowing what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, and uh, he said, yeah, yeah, we, we, we always welcome people on board at council, uh, come to our next meeting, and it sort of snowballed from there. So. Um, so that was in twenty early 2013. By the end of 2013, I had been um, trained up by my <laughs> ex-colleague, Jennifer, um, to become secretary. And she stepped back and said, here you are. Here's all the, the folders. Here's all you need off you go um and yeah i was elected at the next agm and all the rest of it and yeah so i've been secretary since 2013. Wow, a long time <laughs> um, yeah seven years um and it yeah it, it's taken it took me a long time to find my feet obviously i was still very very new to the rangering profession at that point um I had no idea about half of the stuff that was going on. So it's been a, a very good way of me sort of being able to learn um, what actually goes on elsewhere and all the rest of it. Obviously, like the support network was there. Um, I was able to just like bounce opinions off of uh, and ideas and things off of people. And yeah, that's me. I've been I've been there ever since. <laughs> I feel very much in that position that you may have been as you were given the second now where I've only been involved with SCAR for a year now. It was kind of off the back of me enduring my apprenticeship and then kind of then leaving it and going into the seasonal role. And as you said, it's it's been a great opportunity to just broaden the horizons and learn about the other ranger services that are out there. Because as we've already discussed in the podcast, 
think it's really important to have that outside your own ranger service perspective because it's amazing how you can one develop your own ranger service two develop yourself and three just kind of plot out new goals and ideas of how yeah just how to better i suppose the profession and scars are really good and has been around for a very long time now way of supporting the rangers within scotland and i mean you'll you'll know all about that from <laughs> adopting that secretary role which is it's a it's an admiration um that that you did such a thing and um yeah you're you're a great example and role model to be in that uh, scenario just now of <laughs> secretary that obviously then ties into then your international ranger um role in that as well so you're kind of secretary but you also have that international international rangers relationships kind of position where you went along to was it was your first i suppose how did this come about did it come along with the your world ranger experience um yeah so um there was an opportunity came up for all SCRA members in 2015, I think it was 20, yeah, it was around early 2015, um, an opportunity came up where SCRA offered to um, pay the accommodation and delegate fees um, for somebody, for a, a SCRA member to attend the World Ranger Congress run by the International Ranger Federation. Um, in 2016, and it was going to be in Colorado uh, at the Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, and I saw this opportunity, and I thought, "Well, I really want to go. It looks really, really great, um, and it would be a great experience." And I just thought, "Right, okay, I'm highly, highly unlikely to get this, but I'm just gonna go for it." So I applied for the opportunity. And it turned out I was the only one who did apply for this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, the exchange of that was that you would become the new SCRA international representative um, on council, um, which I was quite comfortable with doing anyway because it was already part of SCRA. Already council. there. <laughs> then gave me an, another thing to add, another string to add to my bow, shall we yes. say. Um, so yeah, before I knew it, I was being congratulated on the, on getting this opportunity, and I was into all the trying to book all my flights and everything else. And before I knew it, I was on a plane for the first time on my own. Um, ha having I I'd, I'd been to Canada before with like with my boyfriend at the time, um, now my husband, but a. Yeah, I'd been that far away previously, but never on my own. I, I don't think, I actually know, I'd never travelled all by myself. I haven't either. Yeah. Um, and that was my, my first step to to doing that. And um, yeah, it was, it was a, a great experience. And um, yeah, I rocked up. I rocked up at Denver Airport. I'd never been at that altitude before um, and I was frantically searching for these people with boards to say that I was to get on their shuttle bus to get to the, the venue which was again another 3,000 feet above what I was already <laughs> at, and, um, which was a really scary prospect. 
um, I, I made the mistake, I was walking through the airport and obviously like pulling my, my, my suitcase along with me and all the rest of it and you had to go over this bridge but it was sort of a slope up and a slope down and I got halfway up the slope and striding away really excited and I just had to just sort of stop and take a breather and all the rest of it and that was <laughs> my first realisation that yes, uh, the altitude was something completely different to what I was used to and I just thought I'm not as fit as I thought I was <laughs> um, <laughs> I bumped into all these really friendly people at the airport and they, some of them I'm still in touch with them to this day um, and yeah we got on, on, on the, the, the bus and we arrived um, I, I was a couple of days early before the conference actually started so we were one of the first buses to arrive, um, and um, I remember it was it was really late at night, but it was actually in my head it was about five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and I was having hot dogs and um, you know random turkey sandwiches shoved down my throat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all I just all I wanted to do was just find my bed. Um, but then yeah getting to know all the different people i was very quickly roped into um with some of the i think it was california state park rangers um taking the badges off of uniforms um there's a very very complicated process <laughs> with lots of different different little tools to try and get these the badges off of them so the badges would go to the badge swap shop Right. And the uniform, the uniforms were going to the collection of equipment and uniforms that would be going to um, rangers from the likes of Africa and things like that that don't have these things. So, um, yeah, I got very quickly involved in all of that. I was, at that point, the only ranger from Scotland. Um, there was a few more were joining later in the, in the week and all the rest of it. Um, and I, I suddenly had this reputation and I flagged <laughs> up and <laughs> yeah, fell in with some, some really good folk um, and it was just a great experience. And um, I was given, obviously, another part of that role that I was given through the opportunity was that I was to be the voting representative for SCRA on, for, for the elections for the IRF and everything else. So that was quite... Um, Daunting, I imagine. Yeah. It was quite nerve-wracking because I had to get up on a stage and sign my name and fill out all these forms and I'd been told like who we were voting for and all the rest of it, but I was just like, what if I get this wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Tick the wrong box. Yeah, and so did all that and then they had like a, um, what would you call it, like a, oh, um, like a talent show. Oh. <laughs> um, an international talent show so um i went up and uh, i gave some I, I i think i recited some burns and then was telling some some things and i i put together this thing about what different words meant in scotland scottish. and yeah. yeah scottish <laughs> words and all the, they loved it they absolutely loved it and yeah that and we did some dance. I loved, I loved the whole conference. Um, you know, sitting through all the different things that were going on and all the rest of it, all the different presentations. And actually, before I forget, 
I had to give a presentation as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I gave a presentation about my work at the wind farm. Um, and uh, yeah, that was in front of about 50 people, more or less. Um, so it was one of the smaller presentation rooms. So thankfully not the large auditorium. <laughs> But that was still, that was a great experience as well. And yeah, we, we went on field trips and to even higher altitudes <laughs> <laughs> and saw these birds and mammals that I'd never seen before. And yeah, it was fantastic. It was really great experience. And um, just sort of getting to know all these people from all over the world that I've still got contacts with loads of them. Um, and yeah, I would highly recommend if you ever see an opportunity like that, just grab it with both hands and go for it. Um, yeah. And see what comes out of it, basically. Yeah, just go with it. Um, we talked about it a bit with Will and as many of these little or a lot smaller similar experiences but not on an international scale just yet but um life-changing in many ways and just having a chance to meet up with all those other just incredible people let alone rangers and find out like how they are rangers but like us and exploring the idea of this podcast and talking to other people it's have doing that in person and getting to go abroad as you said for the first time and yeah it's it's just incredible and it's it's a good opportunity within it's a good opportunity and it's a good thing to to be involved with um essentially and the things that you get out of that and even just up until this day as you said you've still got those connections and contacts which is just yeah. it's great to know those people and if you do have any questions or are thinking about any projects that might relate to these international people then yeah you, you've got them at, at your touch or your reach or whatever um no it's, it's, <laughs> no you certainly did your you did uh, you did your far over and beyond i'm sure and uh, obviously the most recent one was with well so he had again very similar experience but this time the first experience in asia it was the first irf congress that had been held there and yeah and i, I imagine like the ones even before that would have been very much the same and these are still evolving in many ways and new opportunities and are only growing larger and larger because more people are talking about it more rangers know about it and even although rangers across the world are declining in many senses it only brings us closer together as i like to imagine um which is a wonderful wonderful thing about having i suppose the international rangers um federation and having our local organizations in our own countries such as scra so yeah no it's it's, it's a fantastic thing um yeah. and you yeah, you mentioned there, obviously, with the whole different altitudes thing, but you, you're quite fond of swimming and all that sort of thing, like to keep active within Scotland. That's led you to do some, over several years, uh, if I can remember correctly, uh, charity stuff for SCRA. Do you want to go into how you started doing all that stuff? Yeah, um, so I'm trying to remember what I did the first time. Um, yeah, so... I started open water swimming um, about 2015 and the only reason I started it up was because I'd stupidly signed, well at the time I thought I was being really stupid and I'd signed up to a five kilometre swim um, <laughs> from one end of a loch to another and I thought right I really need to get in from training and all the rest of it so I joined a wee team, a wee group of people and just got into that and it's all spiraled from there and and I only thought it was going to be you know six months during the summer and then all of a sudden yeah I'm swimming all year round and all the rest <laughs> of it 
Um, so I think that was my first swim that I did for charity. Um, I think I split the money between Scra and medical detection dogs. Um, and just, I can't even remember how much I, I actually, um, I think it was about 300, 400 pounds or something like that. I raised through that. It was just, you know, a, a one-off sort of thing. And then I just decided, I, I through all the different things that I signed up for, I had swum Coniston, the length of Con Lake Coniston in the Lake right. District once previously. Um, and then I did it a second time and I thought, right, this time what I'm going to do is I am going to um, put together like a timesheet. So I had a rough idea in my head what sort of time I was aiming for because I'd done it before. Um, but I was hoping to sort of beat that as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I thought, right, I'm going to make this into um, a bit of a challenge and a fundraising challenge um, and see what we can do with that. So I made that purely a scrap thing. Um, I got different scrap members to fill out sheets, try and get, it was like two pounds for a, a guess or something <laughs> like that. And um, guess at the time. So I had the list of different times and you would just put your name next to it and all the rest of it. And the one that got the closest would win I think it was a bottle of whiskey or something. <laughs> you know, the standard Scottish prize. Of course. Two pounds for a shot and all the rest of it. So I got, <laughs> I got most of my sheets all filled out um, and went and did my swim and felt a bit more under pressure. <laughs> you know, even I, like, I had no idea who had gone for what times or anything like that. Because, um, yeah, uh, and I just swam my swim um took i think it was 15 minutes off my original time wow. <laughs> um, yeah it shows you've improved yeah so that was like what a, a five five and a quarter mile swim um enjoyed myself as always uh, <laughs> and i got to the point where i was like right okay I need to find my winner now so it was a guy um who worked for north lanarkshire council as a ranger he won it i can't remember his name off the top of my head but uh, through that alone, I'd managed to raise just under four hundred pounds. Wow! Um, and my because I was in my international role at that point, like I, I was looking towards the World Ranger Congress in Nepal for get trying to get the same opportunity that I'd had for somebody else to attend this one. Um, so I thought, right, this is the start of my fundraising activities to be able to support somebody. And at that point, I thought, right, this is going well because, you know, we're paying for the delegate fee and accommodation and food and things for somebody from Scotland. Why don't I go one step further and try and support somebody from um, a developing country, a ranger from a developing country to attend? And that would be a full support package. So everything, you know, the flights, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the accommodation, the food, the... Um, the delegate which is feeling. a big feat yeah <laughs> so uh, I, I thought how on earth am I going to do this you know I can't uh, people are going to get sick of my challenges <laughs> if I do them all the time um, so I took a big leap of faith I'd never done anything like this in my life before and I opened up a crowdfunding page um, fundraiser thing and um, 
basically we we were our aim was to send somebody a ranger from Malawi mm-hmm. um, because Scotland is actually twinned as a country with Malawi so we wanted to sort of increase that partnership and all the rest of it um, so off I went on this little journey of crowdfunding <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think we raised something like um, £1,400 something close to that over yeah. the space of quite a number of months actually and um, just plugging away at it just getting people to share it and all the rest of it um, and yeah the the sponsors came in and I was extremely grateful that it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah but now that I think about it that was actually a really easy feat because the, the biggest challenge out of all of that came when I had to try and um, <laughs> find the person who was going to be our chosen delegate from Malawi and then be the logistical practice of trying to get them from Malawi to Nepal in one piece <laughs> not being lost um, and all the, the, the logistical nightmares around that and um, thankfully I had Tony, Tony our treasurer um, he was international rep for a while previously as well and the two of us just plugged away at it and he was a big support for me because <laughs> I was falling apart just trying to get all this sorted because every time we booked a flight uh, we thought everything was fine and then all of a sudden flights were changed and um, shocked and changed about and actually because he was having to get on like four separate planes the first two didn't meet up with each other <laughs> like they overlapped and yeah <laughs> oh no it was it was a nightmare we got him there in the end that's you the, did yeah the end of the story um we got paul uh, his name was paul chiviera um and he we got him there and he had a fantastic time and he met up with will and and tony as well because he was there and um and we got him back eventually as well after a few more flight mishaps um but yeah, and he was very grateful for the whole experience and yeah. all the rest of it. And he put up with some amount of chopping and changing as well. I just every I don't I, I don't I, I don't even want to know how many times I wrote. I I apologize again, but this has happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it got, oh, it was wild. And I, I'm glad it all worked out in the end and I'm very relieved I was very relieved when it came to the end of November last year. And that was all polished off and finished off. Yeah, you, <laughs> and, and completed in a successful way. <laughs> it's a really, really great outcome, and it just shows you. I mean, you've taken hobby, something you've liked, and something you've done for quite a while, really created that positive impact on not just your raising money locally for scrap but um going international and taking it to that next level which just adds that extra bit of speciality i suppose to it and yeah as you gave that ranger a really um unique opportunity that he otherwise would never have had to again go and meet all these other rangers out there so no it's certainly a i mean even just your swimming and your running you're you're a role model for other people out there that um are diabetic and you do all that with having that uh, additional thing and obviously with what we're in just now with lockdown and everything else you're at more of a risk than everyone else but you, you still get on with it which is 
it's a great trait, I suppose. And um, trying. <laughs> <laughs> surviving and staying sane. And yeah, just it's, it's a huge amount of work that really do, does have a positive impact. And yeah, I mean, it's again, it's we'll, we'll come across like that further down the line. Um, just to wrap things up then, I suppose, where, where can people find out more about I suppose Scrab have already we have already promoted it, but you've got the website, um, the IRF, um, the easiest way is probably through their website as well. Yeah, they've got a website going. They're also on Facebook as well. Um, so you've got the IRF, the International Ranger Federation, um, and more local. Well, I say locally. Um, we, but we mean locally, country. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Regionally, regionally, um, we are part of the European Ranger Federation as well. Um, yes. So one of the regional umbrellas underneath the IRA, um, the ERF. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's there's opportunities there as well with different congresses and things going on. And, and certainly I've been quite involved with the ERA um, more recently as well. I, I attended... Um, uh, twinning partnership and sort of workshops sort of thing in Denmark as yeah, well yeah. Um, so yeah getting involved in things like that and it's just all really rewarding um, ERF yeah they are on Facebook as well so if you put in European Ranger Federation you should get that up yeah. um, I'm not so good on the Twitter side of things so I'm not entirely <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure they are um, but don't hold me to that. <laughs> I think you'll, you'll be able to find them through the scrap page, if anything else, through the follows yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, um, and if in doubt, you can you can pop an email to scrap, um, address to me, and I'll, I'll get it, and I'll work out ways of whatever <laughs> you know, all all the different contacts that I've got or that that are there. Um, we'll find a way. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no, it's been certainly a pleasure talking to you and it's been a really good perspective of our international, I suppose, relationship with other, other rangers. Um, the next podcast is a very exciting one, as you know. Um, it's going to be a, an international guest, but I won't say any more than that. So you'll just have to wait and see. And um, yeah, it's, um, I look forward to, I suppose, being able to ha be at a scrum meeting that's in person next, hopefully. Um, out with our digital nightmares. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks, Kate. Catch you Thank later. You. Bye.